0: I agree. I would, I definitely agree. It should definitely, the more you pour out, the more that has to come in. You know, you want to make sure you're ministering out of your overflow to avoid any kind of burnout. Cause if you start ministering on empty, you can only do that for but so long before it becomes detrimental to you and before you just make yourself vulnerable to other attacks. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rooted in Christ podcast. My name is Eric Stevens. I'm the founder of Redwood Christian Ministry. So happy you decided to tune in and join us this week. I have a special guest in the show today, my new friend, comedian, improv coach, youth pastor, podcaster. I'm going to throw church planner in there. All around great human being, Dave Ebert. Sir, how are you doing today?
1: Hey, I'm great. Uh Eric, it's great to be on uh, the ministry on the podcast. And uh I love uh before we went on the air, talking about what Redwood is and, and the vision, and and I love it and I love where it comes from. And uh you know, that is a beautiful sweatshirt. Can you tell me about it?
0: You know, it's funny, it's funny you mentioned that because I have no problem plugging this quite shamelessly that you are actually the first guest to see the brand new merchandise the ministry's come out with. Every hoodie or t-shirt, tumbler that we sell, we're actually going to be um, providing a portion of all the sales to uh, Samaritan's Purse. They have a, a medical um, ministry there um, within within their organization. And that ministry needs all kind of medical supplies, tools, equipment, et cetera. So a portion of everything we sell is going to go to that to help kids and families overseas, get the medical treatment that they need. So, um, and it looks great. So it helps, yes. it helps. So, I mean, I like it.
1: <laughs> it it's I'm a, a great one.
0: I'm a little biased. Maybe I'll back up so everybody can see this. There
1: we go, there we go. <laughs> Be the church. Uh, do you have a big and tall section on your website?
0: I can, so it's not up on the website yet. Cause literally I opened this box right before I um, signed on to Zoom. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, it'll all be up there. These are currently the the samples right now. And so I gotta place a place in order. But yes, we will have a big and tall. Just tell me what size you need. I'll make sure we have it. I'll cool. make sure we have it. So I'll take care of you. You're you're taking all care right. of me by doing the show. So I got you. I got you. Sounds good. So so thank you so much for being on here today. Um I want to just, again, thank you for, for joining us. Thank you for taking the time to do this. And I cannot wait to just dive more into your story. So let's go ahead and give the audience a little bit about you. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background and where you're from. Where'd you grow up?
1: I uh, grew up in Southwestern Virginia, uh, right on the uh, the bottom of the state of West Virginia. I uh, was born in Chicago, but my dad uh, was a Vietnam veteran and uh in the middle of his 30s, he really started getting in bad health, and we had to leave Chicago because it's you know too fast paced, too stressful a lifestyle. So, we moved uh, down south to a lower stress, uh, slower paced lifestyle, and he went from uh six months to live to living another 21 years. Oh, wow! And um, so I grew up down south, but it was never really home, and um. Uh, all my life, I've been somebody that's been funny and somebody that liked to, uh, you know, entertain people. Uh, it's like this instinctive thing of knowing that if people were laughing, um, they were in a good place. That they were uh, that, the, even though I wasn't, you know, Christian, I knew instinctively that there there was hope there. That if they were laughing, that meant that things were okay. Um, and uh, so. I don't know how deep you want me to get into my uh, testimony uh, right now, or if you wanted to ask that later, but, you know, that was just always my way of life is just entertaining people. And um, if you're seeing shadows right now, it's because my cat has jumped up on the desk and is looking <laughs> at my ring light. I can't do us Get down. Uh, we have three cats, which are our three children right now. Um, so I'm trying to get him off the desk. So I don't know if you want to edit this out or not, or, you know, this is real life. Welcome to real life, uh, everyone. <laughs>
0: Honestly. So if you like, remember the intro, I totally tripped over everything I said when I was trying to explain this hoodie. I think we're just going to run with it. Um, yeah, let's go with it. And I'll, I'll just buy you some time here. If you want a fourth cat, I have one that I'm getting ready to get rid of. It's my wife's. Just don't tell her.
1: Okay. We won't tell her. And Yeah uh hopefully uh you know, maybe this will be the one episode of the podcast she messes
0: right we're just so i you know what i'll get your address so when i send you the hoodie i'll send you the cat too so oh, totally please fine.
1: Put, put some plastic around the hoodie so there's it's not <laughs> autographed <to us. laughs> i mean uh, yeah well anyway but uh let's get back on track uh grew up in the in the south um And just to kind of just touch on it, because of my relationship with my dad, because he was getting sick, we didn't have a a foundation in faith. Uh, We would say we were Christians, but we didn't. um, We weren't part of church. We weren't plugged in. uh, We didn't know what being a follower of Christ meant. Uh, So we were kind of kind of like when you get a gym membership, but you never go. You know, we had the membership card. We're like, yeah, we're Christians, but we never worked out. Um, so it didn't have the firm foundation of faith or anything to kind of anchor us. So as he gets worse in health, as I enter adolescence and my teenage years, you know, we butt heads, you know, the natural occurrence of man and, and son added on to his failing health and not knowing how to deal with it. Uh, we had a very strained relationship. Um, so that and uh you know a lot of other factors, I entered into a really deep depression in high school. Uh, To the point where it was at least a weekly, if not a daily battle with the thought of of suicide. And uh, the whole time I knew I shouldn't feel this way. I knew that there was something missing, something wrong. And because I knew that I was ashamed to admit it or to tell anybody. So I hit it through comedy. So most people didn't see a change. They just saw, oh, Dave's always telling jokes. Dave's always cracking jokes. No difference. But it went from this pure heart to now this kind of corrupted heart of trying to hide my depression and also at the same time, try to add value to the world. Because if I was able to make somebody laugh and improve their day, then it would be my justification not to take that final step. And uh, it took many years. It took almost 17 years till I finally uh, fully submitted to God and he got me out of that funk. Now, there are times still that, you know, some of the scars from those years, uh, you know, the scars from the depression, they get a little tender, a little bit sore. And I kind of, I remember what I I felt, but I'm not feeling that depth and and that hopelessness because I have the hope in in Jesus Christ right now. Um, And when I finally turned over to God, it went from, and I explained like this, that I used to use comedy as a way to hide myself, but I now use it as a way to reveal who he is. That's good. And that's, that's what I do uh, with the improv coaching and the improv performing is, is just try to, again, improve people's lives through comedy, but for a much purer motive than what it was before.
0: So how do you feel about this statement? Cause I used to say this to people a lot, but this was probably before I got saved. It, A lot of the, some of the people who I knew who were some of the funniest people I knew had seen some of the scariest things or some of the most depressed, like, do you find that to be true in what you do now? Or is that just kind of like a helicopter statement? It's not necessarily accurate.
1: It's true more than, than many uh, on the outside would think, because to truly appreciate the light, you have to also have known the darkness and that's, that's in the unsafe world of comedy as well as in, uh, you know, following Jesus. Most comedians who are truly funny have somehow dealt with darkness because having seen it, they want to, they want everyone to see the light so that they don't see it. So that's why you, you think about something like Robin Williams, um, gifted, talented out of this world but he had demons and uh, he succumbed to those demons. Uh, You think about somebody like Chris Farley. Um, It wasn't necessarily a overt suicide, but it was, it was very much a suicide in the fact that he did things through his body that caused him to pass away. It wasn't like I, he intended like this is the day I'm going to do it, but through the drugs and, and the different things he got involved with. so, I don't know if there were, and, and, and again, it, I don't know Chris's full story, but I'm assuming that there was something that he was trying to silence through the drug use and through the alcohol. So uh, I, I think that there is a lot of truth to the idea that many, many of the, not all, but many of the funniest people are wrestling with the darkness and they're trying to make sure that they put out light. And again, that's, it sounds spiritual, but I'm also talking about the unsaved as well. Those that don't know Christ, but they do know that people laughing in a, it is a healthy thing because God gave us laughter. It releases endorphins. It relieves stress. It lowers blood pressure. So you got all these physical and emotional benefits. So they know that if I can get people laughing, that they're contributing to the betterment of the world in some, some way. Uh, but Again, that's a lot. Uh, there are also many, many comedians who are perfectly okay uh, that aren't dealing with those, those thoughts. So it, it, But here's the thing. It's perfectly okay to observe a friend, a family member that is constantly being funny and pull them aside one day and say, hey, are you okay? And then ask the second question, are you really okay? And, and let them know that you just care. Because maybe you'll you'll uh, poke a hole in the dam and then see that there is something there. But if they're really okay and they're just a funny person that's very creative, hey, no harm, no foul. But it's better to ask the question and get a you know, get a no than to never ask the question and miss the yes,
0: or never ask that question and get that you know that scary phone call, right? Right. You know, so. I always one of the things I talk to people about, and I was talking this to the to the guys at at the Connect Group that we were. I was teaching that last night, and I said, you know, when you're just driving or you're watching TV or whatever it is that you're doing, when somebody pops into your heart, reach out to that person. Yeah, just text them and just say, hey, how are you doing today? Hey, what's going on? Did you did you see the game last night? How is work going this week? Like you, whenever I'm at church and I ask someone how they're doing, I make it a point to stop walking to actually hear how they're doing, you know, whether yeah. it's I don't care if it's good, bad or ugly, I'm giving you the opportunity to know that this door is open if you want to walk through it right now. You know, I think I think it's important that we actually check on each other as human beings with the intent of truly checking on someone, not hey how you doing and just keep it moving, you know. Right. <laughs> so, right.
1: so when when I talk to uh and I've been in this habit for several years, when I talk to a pastor or whether it's my personal pastor or somebody I know as a pastor, I'll ask them, Hey, how you doing? And then, you know, they'll give me uh, you know, the fine or doing good or whatever. And then I'll ask them, is that the pastor answer? Or is that the Brian answer? Or is that the, the Larry answer? Meaning is that what you, is that your stiff arm or are you really okay? And especially pastors, they don't get that a lot. Because they're always dealing with other people's problems. They're dealing with other people's baggage. And no one, by and large, wants to deal with the pastors. Because they think, oh, you're the pastor. you you got a direct line of God. Everything's good for you. And and you're blessed and highly favored. Which they are blessed and highly favored. But they're also human beings. And past being a pastor, a full-time ministry leader, it's among the highest occupations for suicide in this country uh, because we don't do enough to actually care for their needs we assume that oh they they just talk to jesus and he, he's fine he's fine but sometimes they're not and i know this is kind of tangential but just talking about mental health it's really okay to ask the follow-up question and make sure that the people in your life are okay
0: I was I'm not sure when this episode is going to air. I'm probably going to say maybe two to three weeks from now. And so I was, and I bring that up because I was ordained at my church, you know, at this point, maybe a month or two ago, depending on when this is, is going to air.
1: Oh, congratulations!
0: I, thank you. I appreciate it, man. It's been, it's humbling. It really is. Um, but to, to your point, you know, that, that leader, that pastor, as soon as they say yes to God, and this is with anyone as soon as you say yes to God and then you actually start walking this out and start living this out that bullseye on your back gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and it's because you're you know you're for, you know you're exercising your salvation right with fear and trembling that's what we're supposed to do but at the same time like you are walking out the plan that God has for you and there is an enemy of our soul who does not want to see us achieve that at all right. so I'm grateful for the people in my life who are like who literally just pulled me aside and say, I know you're not okay. You just made 30 people laugh. I know that you're not okay. Okay. Like, like I can, I can see it. I can, I can hear it. Like, how can I pray for you? Like I'm grateful for those people that I have in my life. And I think it's important for pastors and leaders to have that coast, to have that system of people who I can be, transparent with and 100 open and honest with because everything isn't going to be peaches and cream and kumbaya sessions around the bonfire eating some mores sometimes right. you're going to have to get you know you're going to have to get in the mud to really just be like okay this is what i'm going through and this is really hard to deal with
1: yeah and you think about the old testament um i would i need to do a better job of remembering the the, the scenario but i just remember the story of moses on top of the mountain while the israelites are in battle and as long as his hands are lifted up, Israelites are winning. But the second he gets weak and he can't lift his arms anymore, they start to lose. So he had Aaron and Ur er come alongside and they didn't have sure. They didn't have degree. They didn't have brute back then. They just had brutal armpits up there in the desert. And they had to get in there in the dirt, in the, in the foulness of being next to a sweaty old man to lift his arms. And sometimes like you said, you got to get into that dirt and be willing to come alongside somebody that you care about, especially the leaders, especially the the leader of your flock, the the pastors in your church. As men, we got to come alongside our male pastors. Women have to come alongside either the first lady of the church or or if you have a, a female pastor, she needs women she can trust. Um, and your your wife can't be your only confidant in, in ministry. My wife can't be my only confidant because they have their own stuff, too. They can't carry our burdens, too, as leaders. We need other people to share the load. Um, So just it's one of my soapboxes. I like to just encourage, you know, come alongside your pastor, not to be a teacher's pet, but to be a brother. Because before they're a minister, before they're a pastor, they're a brother in Christ. And we have to remember that. And also as a pastor, you have to remember you're a brother in Christ. You're a part of the body first, and you need to be fed just as much as anybody, if not more.
0: I agree. I would, I definitely agree. It should definitely, the more you pour out, the more that has to come in, you know, you want right. to make sure you're ministering out of your overflow to avoid any kind of burnout. Cause right. if you start ministering on empty, you can only do that for but so long before it becomes detrimental to you. And before you just make yourself vulnerable to other attacks.
1: Right. So. And, and, If you're pouring more than you're receiving, you can't pour into your family. You can't protect your family, uh, spiritually or otherwise, because I I don't know if you have kids, but as a pastor, you know, your kids have as big a bullseye as you do because they're pastor's kids. They should know better than to act like a normal 12-year-old. They should know better than to pull Susie's hair because that's just unbecoming of a pastor's child. No, he's a kid. Leave him alone
0: if I push people around in my church, like all the time, like physically. So I, I don't, I don't, so I can only imagine what the kids are doing downstairs because the example I'm setting, that's a quick side note, quick side note. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah I, I feel bad for PKs. I mean, and of course they have a nickname PK. Um, But I, I say that as a term of endearment, um, my pastor's kids, they're all awesome. He's got uh, five amazing kids, good kids, fun kids and at only second to my pastor's wife, I would do anything to protect him. And so if I ever saw somebody holding that PK title over their heads, I'd, I'd step in like, as like an uncle, but like, hey, 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 yeah. Hey, your kids out there, you know, shooting up, you know, why don't you leave this kid alone for picking on a girl, you know? But, uh, yeah, that, and, and that's my soapbox. We as believers, should also come alongside our pastors and, and be willing to get into like Aaron and Er, get into that armpit and hold, hold his arms up for victory.
0: Pastors and leaders need, they need that support, you know, yeah. and they, they, they 100% need that. Oh, so Jesus. you said that you, um, did you say it took you 17 years before you kind of came over, like fully devoted your life to Christ?
1: Yeah, um, in sixth grade, I went to a summer camp, and I said the little sinner's prayer on my way back from uh, worship uh, on a Thursday night. Uh, Friday morning, go home. Never really got discipled. So from sixth grade on, I, I you could say that I had you know the seeds, but they lay dormant. And so, because, again, didn't have that firm anchor uh, of faith or that relationship with the Lord. And I treated God like a genie, you know, kind of. A, I mean, I I don't know if this is offensive, but treat him almost like a booty call. Like, hey, guy, what you doing? Hey, I I need this help. Can you help me? You know, and and, uh, I never had that relationship with him. I didn't know how. Um, So it wasn't until many years of depression, a failed marriage. And then uh, in 2013, I was literally wrestling with the idea of uh, do I take my life or do I give my life? Because God kept sending me sign after sign after sign, and I was just kind of trying to ignore it, trying to say, nah, that's that's really, that's, yeah. But finally, I was on my way to work one day in January of 2013. I was walking through this uh, area in downtown Beckley, West Virginia, where there's very little population. So it didn't make sense for two kids from a Bible college to be out there trying to witness to people because you're not going to see anybody. It's Saturday morning, not a lot of people. But they were there, and I think it was a divine appointment. I believe it was, because they were there to offer prayer for me, uh, to give me a, a Bible tract, which is uh, the gospel in a little uh, you know, comic form. And I blew them off. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm saved. I'm good. But when I got to thinking about it, I realized, okay, this was another two-by-four to the back of the head. God's trying to get my attention. And so this is about... 16 and a half, 17 years into depression. That uh, gloss over uh, one failed marriage, many, many nights and days of considering suicide. So I went home after work that day and I, I really started to pursue the Lord. And it wasn't this Hallmark movie, pure Flix moment of like I went home and was sobbing on the floor and, and, and you know, like you hear the dramatic music. It's you know, so like, all right, God, you're right. Let's do this. And I I dove into the word. I I had a a King James Bible and I started reading because I, in my ignorance, I thought, Oh, the Bible is in order. Genesis (laughs) is the beginning. Revelation is the end. Everything else is chronological. Not exactly, but I started reading. I followed the story all the way into Deuteronomy and, and numbers and all that. And I was like, man, this is hard. (laughs) It's like, how do people do this? Uh, but I was trying, and I was also reading Rick Warren's book, uh, Purpose Driven Life, trying to find my purpose. And that's where God showed me that I was doing kind of what he wanted me to do, entertaining people, bringing them together, lifting them up through comedy. But he wanted me to do it for his purpose and not my own. So it was it was a, a shift in in the why, not necessarily the what, now obviously the jokes and the humor I used before Christ that stuff I don't repeat now there a lot of that was R and NC17 and just shock value but but now it's it's all about you know what makes us common what makes us human um like when we do improv we're not doing biblical Im- improv because we don't want to ever mishandle the word right it's all about clean comedy stuff that families can enjoy together whether they're 2 or 92 uh, if you're 93, we're you're you're just too old for our show.
0: <laughs> Somebody will fill that gap.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so that's kind of my story in a nutshell is um it it was a long th- now, depending on your theology. Some people think once saved, always saved. So once I said the prayer, sixth grader, I was always saved. I wrestle with that because there were times I said things to God that that should have got me struck with lightning. If he was that kind of a God, like if if Zeus was real and I said that to (laughs) Zeus, Zeus would have got me. Uh, But God's, you know, he's loving, he's merciful and and a prime example of God's mercy and willingness to absorb my temper tantrums. In 2011, I was uh, driving home from work. It was late at night. And in West Virginia, there are a lot of mountain roads with really sharp curves. And not every curve has a guardrail. So I was just in a bad way. And I stopped in the middle of the road, like three, four in the morning and nobody around. I said, God, if you don't want me to do this, do something, say something, give me a sign. Now, again, referring back to what I said before about uh, when I first came back to Christ, you know, there, there was no angel singing, no sky opening, no, Booming James Earl Jones voice from the sky. It 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 was actually the complete opposite. It in that moment, it felt like God actually got more distant from me. Mm -hmm. And I know that people argue, well, God would have, but He did what what I needed Him to do. Exactly. He pulled away in a way that I felt like He pulled away, and I got mad. I got mad, and I said horrible things, thought horrible thoughts. But you know what? I got mad and I went home. And it was just another example that night that God just laid himself down and said, all right, son, I know this is going to hurt, but I want you to go home. And so he pulled away. I felt more pain and darkness and hopelessness. And I lashed out at him, but I went home. And it was a year, year and a half later when those kids from the Bible college happened to be there. So all through that time, God was, like, sending me nuggets, and I didn't realize it until that moment, and uh, you know, that just that led me on a completely different path, and uh, it's just crazy how God orchestrates so many things that you'll miss as you're walking forward, but when you stop and look back, you're like, oh, wow, he was busy.
0: So I always one of the things I always tell people is your testimony is for someone else. And a lot of the time, God will birth your ministry out of your place of of pain, out of your places of of discomfort, out of the things that He was like, I'm gonna bring you through this so you can help bring other people through this or help them or help prevent them from even going down this road. I don't want to limit God. I'm just throwing some examples out there. So would you say your ministry has been birthed out of out of your 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 wisdom your testimony your life lessons
1: absolutely um you know, comedy is such a powerful tool and even instinctively when i was not walking with the lord i knew instinctively that it was a powerful tool for healing for bringing people together for improving people's day to day lives and so now out of all those years of getting a, a kind of a feel for the room, getting a just kind of instinctive idea of what needed to be said or done in order to bring about a laugh. All that is now being redeemed and God's giving it uh, power to allow me to get a feel for what the room needs in an improv show. Maybe, uh, you know, I feel, you know, this character needs to say this thing or do this or do that. And it brings about these moments of laughter where people are able to just let loose. Um, we've done uh, like bar shows where we'd go in and we by far the only uh, clean act and probably the only Christian within a five mile radius. <laughs> but we we go to these places and, you know, we hear the filth and the foulness and everyone's trying to out each other to the point where everybody in the audience is watching and they have to wait like a beat to make sure, is this okay for us to laugh at? Then we go up there and we pray the Holy spirit to cleanse the stage. We pray that uh, God will just use us. And we go up there and we rock it. We kill it. Not because of anything we do. It's just that we're submitted to the Lord. And we're also giving something that's different. Something the world is not offering, which is something they can laugh at without checking in to make sure it's okay. Um, you know, the, and one of the shows, a lady was up there talking about just horrible things about her son, uh, you know, almost incestuous type stuff. It was like, it was really weird, really dark, really just evil. We right. prayed. It was his Holy spirit clear, cleanse the stage. Cause I was with, uh, it was myself, uh, two other guys and two ladies. And the two ladies on the team were like, let's go. Let's, let's get out of here. And I said, we committed, we gave her word that we're going to perform. We're here. Let's pray, and let's go up there and let God work. Um, so we went up there, and nobody had to check in with anybody. Nobody had to pause and think, is this okay to laugh at? They were just free. They're just free to laugh and enjoy the moment. And <laughs> the hardest part about that is after the show, all these other comedians like, wow, you guys are awesome. You guys killed it. We loved it. And we could not give the compliment back. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh thank you so much all right well great to see you uh we're gonna go get some water
0: <laughs> yeah you did something too yeah that was great yeah
1: <laughs> yeah it was really brave you you what you do was really brave yeah like you
0: you're really committed you really pushed the envelope with what you said yes congratulations yes. i would have left i wouldn't have said anything else, <laughs> else. <laughs> yeah this is just something i'm wondering about now so you've you've been doing this in, in various places. So has anyone ever just like tried to heckle you? Have you ever had issues with people in the audience because it's like the act that you're bringing and the places you're doing it at? Like, have you ever had like stuff thrown at you? Like how, cause you sometimes see people heckle comedians. And I always think that's a bad idea to heckle the person with a microphone. Like, I don't think right. you can really win that because everyone can hear what the comedian is saying. But if you have you experienced that
1: so far, the only real heckle we've got was <laughs> I, we were doing homeless shelters. like just go in and in between their their meal and uh, lights out, we were just doing you know performances where it was a way for us to practice with our new members, but also a way to give back because obviously, and I don't mean this condescendingly, if you're homeless, you're not able to go into the city of Chicago and buy tickets to a show. Right. And... Again, it's not condescending. It's just like I wanted to give something to, to people that otherwise couldn't have it, as a way to hopefully bring them closer to the Lord. So we did this one performance at a at a shelter. the The people that were running uh, this location were kind of disorganized. They didn't, uh, they forgot that we were coming. They had no idea what to do with us. So I was like, okay, well, we'll just take this area over here. We'll set it up. We'll do. We'll perform. We'll give them a chance to volunteer, be a part of it. Um, so we started, and about two thirds of the way through, all of a sudden, this guy kind of walks up in the middle of the performance and it comes up to one of our team, one of my teammates, and it comes up to me saying, You know, everything you say and do, you're going to be held to account for before the holy God. I'm like, Yeah, dude, cool, I'm here to serve. I, you know, God gave me the gift of humor. He's like, No really you will be held to account you will need to repent all right and, and because it wasn't a stage it was just like this this flat floor so he actually just walked in the middle of the performance and you know i kind of deflected said, yeah cool i i think i think we're good i think we're serving the lord it's gonna be okay uh and so we wrapped up we were like all right everybody have a great night <laughs> but that is the worst heckle we've gotten uh most of the heckling or, or questions or whatever that comes online. Like if I've posted about a show that we're doing in one of the secular Facebook groups, in uh, you know, secular comedy groups, people will say, Oh, what's Christian comedy. Is that all a bunch of thou shouts? Or uh, how can you do a comedy with women on your stage? Are they in like full, um, you know, uh, Amish garb or something? It, 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 we get picked on and we're like, Christians aren't funny, Christians are boring or or worse, they call us a bunch of bigots because we don't believe in certain things. We think that the rainbow is the Genesis rainbow and nothing else. So uh, but yeah, online is the worst, but it's it's not that bad because we've been doing this for almost ten years. so people kind of know me and know who we who we are as far as like what we stand for. So any accusation or insult usually just fizzles.
0: So anybody who's watching the video right now, they probably just saw my eyes bouncing left and right because I was checking my phone for something. So I got to tell you, you, are the to to the point of people messing with you online? I almost became one of those people because I was very concerned you weren't going to be able to make the show today. Mm-hmm. I saw your video with you eating the, was it the pumpkin spice cheese? And I immediately thought that you were not going to survive that. I'm like, he's going to die. I'm like, he is going to die. I'm like, he's not going to make it. We're not going to get to record because like, there is no way that that is of the Lord. So
1: <laughs> oh, it, it was not of the Lord. See, in my heart, when I saw that, it's like, you know, this could work. Maybe if it's a sweet, like a brie type cheese and a little sweet, you know, sweetness, pumpkin spice to it. Maybe it could work. This, I don't even know if you qualify it as cheese. I don't know what they were <laughs> thinking. It was the the texture was horrible. The taste was not there. I would have been, I would have been better off just eating the wax on the outside of the cheese than the cheese itself.
0: Or a Reese cup. That's just my opinion. This is yeah. that's, that that's my wisdom that I'm offering up to you today, because I was yeah. about to hop online and be like, what are you doing? I'm like, don't do this.
1: <laughs> <I'll> do this. <laughs> <laughs> now, and now here's the thing. I, I have a problem with Reese Cup. This is the this is 2022, almost 2023. We are doing amazing things, with technology. Reese. why can't you make a cup that does not stick to the black pa- paper? Why is that always that little piece of chocolate left behind when you peel it back? That, that bothers me because now I look like a glutton, like I'm eating my Reese's cup and then I'm licking this brown paper to get that last piece of chocolate. It's like, I don't want to look that bad. Let me eat my king size Reese's by myself without having to lick the paper.
0: If you put it in the fridge for a little bit, that may not happen. Who's got time for that? not me i'm just offering a suggestion i'm just trying to help because honestly i don't think i'm popular enough yet where reese's is tuning in listening to my show but if somebody wants to go ahead and tag with you know reese's peanut butter Cups? i will gladly talk to them (laughs) yes so we'll eat
1: them live on the air twice twice
0: absolutely so my favorite days to go shopping are the day after valentine's day easter halloween and christmas um because all the Halloween candy and like Christmas candy, all that goes on sale. Like they know me at the local Walgreens and CVS. So like Eric's coming, and they just hand me the boxes. They're like, "Here, no one's like, they're not even open yet." I'm like, "Thank you, I appreciate it."
1: Yeah.
0: I, how do we get on this topic? What?
1: I- <laughs> I, who knows? Uh, we were talking about a video of me eating horrible cheese. Got it's I'm that that cheese is probably what caused COVID. It was that bad. <laughs> it it wasn't a bad. It was a pumpkin shaped piece of cheese from Germany that had pumpkin spice. That's what caused COVID. We'll we'll call it. Uh, I won't say it. I don't want to get you in trouble.
0: <laughs> I'm already about to get in trouble. I didn't. Um. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not the most mature when it comes to things like this because I. I'm losing it right now. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna move on. I'm just gonna move on. So. You, you, obviously we talked about, so you used your testimony to, to obviously it started giving birth to your ministry. So how do you prepare for the shows and like what goes into your shows? And if, and if you want, if now is a good time to talk about the gifts to glory ministry or like the, the actual name of it, your team, feel free to dive in that. However, however you like.
1: Sure. Uh, so in 2013, when I moved to Chicago, we founded, uh, the improv ministry, it was called uh ha ha men, uh, for many years. Um, but uh for a variety of reasons, including the fact that at uh for about three years it was me and four women. So every show we'd always get the question, How can you be a ha man if you're mostly women? Isn't that weird? And my response is it's actually more weird that you're focusing on that. But <laughs> the, the 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 pun was it was ha and amen. So it was like, hey, it looks ha ha men. No. They didn't get it. Uh, so, uh, so for that, and um, we had a, a a member that joined us for a couple of years who is very rough around the edges. And unfortunately some of that roughness comes out in how he posted on Facebook mm-hmm. and some of the terminology he used was, but could easily be received as, as bigoted or racist. Um and we're like, hey, man, let's reel that back in. Let's delete it. It's like, okay, okay, okay. Um, but unfortunately, in the modern era, once you put it out there, it's never going to go away. So people had screenshotted it, and right. we had an opportunity to perform with Second City, and Second City started seeing all these screenshots from people who were attacking us. And so our name as Haha Men got really tainted um, so we decided, all right, let's rebrand, let's start over, and uh, let's keep the wordplay in play. So that's uh, how we became Well Versed Comedy, because uh, we're well versed in scripture, well versed in comedy, and it's kind of a cool name. So, how do I prepare for a show? Uh, I'm the director, coach, founder, booker, promoter, everything. So uh, we get a show. Let's say somebody says, "Hey, we want you guys to perform at our church for a fundraiser for uh, for kids uh, camps or whatever." So we'll book the show. I'll I'll create the event. I'll I'll uh, put it uh, all over social media. So that's the the promotion side. Day of or you know leading up to the show, uh, I'll uh, write the uh, the plan of attack. The, the what we call the set list of what games we're going to play and who's going to play what, who's going to host. And it's a job of me trying to make sure everyone's in a place of strength. Um, So that's kind of the administrative side. Now let's get to what I do as a human being to prepare to go on stage. I pray and then go do it. Um, Because between, uh, you know, all the years of hiding depression through making people laugh uh, through eight years of pro wrestling and all the, all the things I've been doing in front of people on stage. I don't have to prepare. I'm just ready. I I go up on stage, the energy of people watching and getting ready to laugh that fuels me. And, and I'm just able to go. Uh, it's obviously your prayer is huge. Making sure that, you know, one of the prayers I often say is in, in Psalms, it talks about, you uh, know, ask the Lord to set a, a guard over my lips. And that's one of the things I want to make sure that even, if, and I've never had this problem, but if we're in a moment and things are just rolling and chugging, I never want to cross that line where we cross crossing window or we mishandle scripture or we otherwise disrespect the Lord. We've never been there, but I'm always consciously making sure we don't. I don't ever want to misrepresent my faith. I never want to to give the gospel a bad eye. So for me, my prep has been done for, for years. Um, we warm up together, we pray together before we go on stage. Um, sometimes I'll go up and I'll open with a few jokes, do some stand up to kind of warm the crowd up. But yeah, there's so much administrative and, and promotional stuff that, you know, that's the big thing I, I put in going to a show because. Now I'm invested. I'm fully invested because I. This is each show is my new baby. It's like, hey, I've built this, promoted this. Let's do this. And then I, we just go up and have fun. It, it's all about promotion. It's all about right. getting attention. And if you could find a niche where people are like, oh, yeah, he's that, then you get more opportunities. It's it's marketing and promotion. It's like a lot of music these days. It doesn't have to be good. You just have to find your niche, and <clears throat> and people will buy it
0: yeah that was one of, when i when i gave my life to christ that was one of the the hardest things for me to transition to was the music piece of it because um i i wasn't into the worship music yet like i was coming out of listening to just like hardcore rap so you're looking at some of these rappers i'm like man i'm not enjoying what i'm hearing before i came across like andy Mino and lecrae and tripoli and kb and came across all of them um You know, it was that was one of the hardest transitions to like actually see like, okay, because when I thought about Christian music, like it was literally Kurt Franklin from my childhood. I'm like, how am I supposed to listen to this in the gym? Like, what the heck am I supposed to do? Because like, I mean, you said you were over 500 pounds at one point. I was 315 pounds at one point. I'm down to I'm down to 205 right now. But I was just like, what am I going to listen to? So that was probably one of the hardest transitions because I'm like music. Is such a big part of my life before I got saved. I'm like, I need something quality. So, man, thank goodness for for Reach Records putting out some
1: quality artists from them. So, absolutely. Yeah. And here's the thing uh, that I would say, and I always like to point this out is, you know, whether it's uh, music or comedy or anything else, we serve the ultimate creator. There's no reason we can't be just as creative, obviously, on a smaller scale, but there's no reason that movies, that shows, that music, uh, comedy or or dramas, theater. There's no reason we can't be as good if not better than the world because he invented it all so he could give us some better ideas and, and we can execute it better because we serve a God of excellence. We should strive for that excellence. And that's a, one of the biggest things about our comedy is I strive not to be good enough for church, but to be good so that we can bring more people outside the body inside and show them who God is through the the joy of, of laughter and the gift.
0: If we do it unto the Lord, who knows where that's that's going to lead? If right. the heart's right, the motive's right, and we're literally just doing it to bring Him honor, praise, glory, etc., who knows what what that can lead to? Who knows what our yes and our obedience could could lead to? There's no reason to limit Him. And we definitely shouldn't limit him to any kind of worldly set set ways or set standard. So exactly, who's to say that just because I'm not going to to cuss or 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 say X Y Z, that I can't you know make it in 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 such a platform or make it in a media platform or make it as a podcast or make it as as a musician? Who who's to say that? You know, right. God has the final say. So. He's
1: the owner of the, the cattle on a thousand hills, and hey, he owns the hills too. So, uh, it's not like you have to, you know, curse your family to poverty because you're doing things unto the Lord, He can certainly bless it and use you to be a blessing financially, artistically, every way, shape, and form. Which, and just tangentially, soapbox moment, I hate when I hear a Christian say, Well, yeah, I, I had to do this project, or I had to do it this way. Uh, But God understands, it's okay. It's like, yeah, he understands, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he appreciates it. Um, Because we've auditioned people who say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't want to do only clean comedy. Why do you want to go places that God's not going? So that's my soapbox. Is like, if God has given you talent, give it back to him, and you're going to see him take you places not necessarily financially, but in ways that are so much more rewarding than you could even imagine. And although you can't take it with you, so why do you care that much about money other than providing for your family?
0: I hear you. I hear you. And that actually leads me into something I wanted to ask you about because when we were talking and in, in some of your bio it says you you train people to do improv. Is that correct? Yeah. So, what goes into to that kind of training? Because obviously, you're you're vetting some of the people based off, you know, things like the the criteria you just gave. So, what goes into training them to do improv?
1: Yeah, uh, bi- the biggest thing is I want it to be fun. I want it to be a fun experience, and because that'll attract people to come back. And also, you learn so much more when you're having fun, and you don't even realize it. That's why. You know, babies, when you give them a, a toy, they learn so much by playing with it and learning. So when I'm leading an improv workshop, it's about having fun. Um, and there, there's two different bets. If I'm training you as somebody that's going to be a performer, yeah, I'm going to teach you, the, you know, the ways to do stage picture, how to yes and support your teammates. Or we can also teach you as a way to help you in ministry or help you in public speaking, find uh, the the way to kind of break down the walls that you put up in your own mind. Uh, so for me, it's, I, I never judge a, a group. Like if I have a group and somebody slips out and curses, it's not like, oh, okay, end a session. Somebody just cussed, you know, it, there's a lot of grace. And what goes into it is teaching the basics of, Understanding verbal and nonverbal communication, uh, also supporting the people. And you can support somebody without agreeing with them. You know, those are the kind of things that that we can teach just through improv, just kind of, and the biggest thing is get out of your own way. Because how many times do you have a moment to share with somebody, to witness somebody, tell them the truth about your story or the gospel? And all of a sudden this little voice in the back of his head says, Hey, Eric, they don't want to hear that. Or What if you say something stupid and you condemn them to hell because you gave them a bad witness? Thing is, once you get out of your own way, God's going to use it no matter what. And you're, you're a pastor. You've spoken to people. And I'm sure you've had those moments where somebody said, hey, you know what, Pastor Eric? When you said that thing about four weeks ago, it really changed my life. And you're like, oh, wow, that's awesome. But as soon as they walk away, I never said that. But because you were willing a vessel... The Holy Spirit said what needed to be said to that person. But if you're not willing and if you're not able to be that vessel, then God I don't want to say God can't, but God won't be able to use you if you're not willing to be used.
0: That just came up at um the the men's connector we did a few weeks ago. You know, I was talking to somebody and I was saying it matters how we how we carry ourselves and it matters the you know what we put in behind closed doors. It matters what we're doing when when no one is is around. And I, I told the story. It was I had someone walk up to me and they said, "You know, I've been I've been I've looked up to you for a while." And I said, "You told me this a few years ago and it changed my life." And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, "I don't remember talking to you, let alone telling you what you said I told you, let alone knowing that you looked up to me." <laughs> Right. Because whenever people come to me for anything, I do a couple of things. We always pray together while they're talking to me. I'm praying just because I believe they're coming to me for a reason. So there's something in me that God wants to impart in them. So it's the spirit of me speaking the spirit in them because I know it's not myself. I point them back to the cross, point them back to the resurrection. I point them back to God. In some capacity, all of those things are happening in the conversations I have in in ministry. And you're right. Yeah. I'll be sitting there like, I don't even remember talking to you about this. And, you know, it's whenever people tell me things like that of, oh, you know, I look up to you or this and I'm like, I'm a flawed vessel. Follow me as I follow Christ. I'm not going to downplay the things that God, are doing, that God is doing in my life and has done and will do. I'm going to walk in that boldness, but I'm not going to even remotely pretend like it's on me. You know, I'm not going to remotely pretend like, oh, man, I did this because I went to your point that you said earlier, when my life was in my own hands, I was struggling with suicide. I was struggling with depression. I was struggling with all kinds of addictions. So I saw so now to, again, to your point previously, I saw it was like before and I see what it's like now. I know it's not me. I know it's him. So,
1: yeah. Amen. And it's the thing, like you said, you can receive some of that because you're like, you're recognizing that that God is using you in a way and and it's okay to, to accept the compliment, but also avoid receiving the glory because God doesn't share the glory. Right. And, uh, and that's a fine line. It's very easy to, uh, buy your own press sometimes. And that's a, that's a moment where you, you gotta, that's where we talked about earlier. You gotta have the people beside you to say, Hey, uh, Hey Dave, um, maybe calm down, you know, that's more, you're not, you're taking some credit from God and that's not a good place to be. So, and that's again, not only for supporting in those trying times, but also to be that iron sharpening iron, we all need somebody that's willing to call us to the carpet in love and not to beat us up, but to help lift us up and put us back on the right track. Um, So yeah, this, We've had a lot of soapbox moments uh, in this conversation. I I hope people are are feeling cleaned. No,
0: this is, um, that's okay. It's okay. This is, this is your episode. You, you share as much as you like. You share as much as you like, unless you have to go, (laughs) let me know. You let me know. So um, I do. So you have your own podcast. Mm -hmm. Now is your podcast? Another is another branch of your, of your improv ministry. Like talk to us about your podcast a little bit.
1: Sure. Um, the podcast is born out of the uh, the original hashtag that we started using when we far, formed the comedy ministry. Uh, it was hashtag OGHG, our gifts for his glory. And so that's where gifts for glory comes from is, is our gifts for his glory. Um, and what we do on the podcast is we bring in Christians from different walks of life, mostly uh, people who are doing creative ventures. They're writers, actors, singers, comedians, and we just share what they're doing in the kingdom. Then we dive into their testimony. How did they find their faith in Christ? Were they born into it? Did they, uh, did they walk away from it? Uh, were they a late bloomer that found God late in life? I love sharing each individual story. Cause like you said earlier, to your point, our testimony is not ours. It's ours to share because it's for somebody. Somebody needs to hear it because not every, no two persons testimonies are exactly the same but there's enough sim- similarity, enough of a roadmap in each one that somebody can benefit from following that same journey or going that same direction. And so every week uh, we're sharing somebody's testimony of how they found God and also showing how they're using uh, their gifts, their talents, or even allowing God to redeem the experiences they've had in a way that can serve people. So we start off, uh, start off with a devotion uh, basically I just take uh, a piece of scripture and then just kind of dive into it on what it means to me, what, what I feel like God's revealed to me. Uh, but I know I'm not perfect. So I'm always open to, if anybody hears something like, you know, I missed something or missed the mark, my email is always open for somebody that wants to challenge me or lovingly correct. And then we go from the devotion into interviewing our guest and just having a conversation uh, for anywhere from thirty minutes to an hour, thirty minutes, whatever the right. Lord leads, and <clears throat> I never want to put somebody on the spot or maybe make feel make somebody feel uncomfortable, but I want to give God the platform. I want their story as deep as the Lord wants to be, uh, to be shared, and I know that I'm at uh, I think 250 episodes so far that I've that I've done, uh, maybe less. I'm not sure. I have to go back and count but maybe w- only one of those episodes changes a life and changes an eternity, but it's the faithfulness of doing it each week. That sets up that one opportunity. I you know, Unless and God can do this, but usually in something like that, your faithfulness produces the opportunity for the door to be open. That's good. If I try to do just one podcast to change the world in one episode, God can use it. Sure. But there's more fruit. I think when, You've done it for a long time, and then you see the fruit. Um, So my hope is even though I never see hundreds or thousands of views, I'm hoping that each episode there's that one, that one that's encouraged, whether it's a member of the body of Christ that just needs to be exalted and lifted up, or if it's somebody that doesn't know the Lord yet and needs to be inspired, like, oh, wow, they came from that, and they're able to turn it over, and they're able to forgive and move forward. I hope that inspires and there and people will say, all right, God, if you did it for them, do it for me. And I believe God will. Where
0: I, you're speaking to my heart right now. And you said that because you know, it's, I'm the, a lot of what we're doing with this podcast now, this is out of the, out of obedience, out of obedience, you know, and, I hope that when people are listening to this, they hear something, some nugget that gets them through their day or gets them through their week or encourages them in the, in the downtime or uplifts them in, in a, in a dark moment. You know, I hope that this is, I hope that what we're doing is touching someone, whether it's one person or it's uh, 300,000, I I don't, I don't care. I hope it's just, I hope it's encouraged them lifting somebody. And it, even if it's just that one person, like, you know what, I'm going to today step out and do that thing that God called me to do. Then we did our job today, you know? so. Absolutely. But it's about our obedience. And if God gave us a platform and called us to do it, then he'll provide for it. And not only that, then he'll, he'll, he'll make the way he'll make the way. Cause this is all his anyway. So
1: and this is just another example of it, it's God's glory and it's not up to you or me with our podcast for the results. Uh, we just have to walk in obedience and strive for uh, excellence to serve our King and then he deals with it. You know, we just do the work uh, that we're called to do. And if only one person gets saved because of something we do, that that's to his glory. And we're just, uh, you know, we're just blessed to be a part of, of that journey. If I did
0: half million episodes and you told me one person got saved, it was worth it for me. That, it, absolutely. you know, like it's absolutely worth it. I had a... um I had Jose Rivera Sr. on here, probably is my fourth or fifth episode of the show. And he told me something a long time ago. And he said, when you preach, it doesn't matter the size. If there's a thousand people in that room or it's three people in the room, you preach the exact same way. You give it everything you have under the Lord because this is an act of worship. And I was like, okay. That was kind of the, that's the approach that I've, I have I was so grateful for that advice because you wouldn't think that way. You would think that, oh, well, there's three people who are going to tone this down. There's a thousand people who are going to tone this up. It's like, no, it's right. like I preach the same way no matter how many people are in the room. Yeah. I've, I, and I've watched him do it. And it's just it's unbelievable some of the, you know, the, the life lessons that man has given me. Yeah.
1: And it, as you're talking, it reminded me of a story I heard. I don't know the particulars. But there was a missionary in one of these hostile, you know, guerrilla warfare countries, and the the church was being persecuted, and he felt the Lord say, "Go to church." He went to the church, and he felt the Lord say, "Preach your sermon." He's like, "God, there's nobody here. The church is empty," and it's like to your point, you're just saying, you know, preach the same. So he. You know, after wrestling with God, he finally started to preach. He preached his full message as if the church was loaded and he prayed. He closed in prayer and then suddenly the church door opens and these guerrilla warriors who are waiting for him to come out so they can kill him are coming in to turn their life over because they heard him preaching from outside. Wow. And I've heard that shared and that story stuck with me. I wish I knew who he was or where, what country he was in but it's, it's a, a story of just listen to God, let him lead and let him handle the results.
0: So how would you describe your personal relationship with
1: Jesus now? Um, you know, he's, you know, he's my best friend. Um, he's the, uh, he's who I go to, uh, for advice. Like right now, uh, I'm not going to mention names, but we're wrestling with an issue on, on our team uh, where it feels in many ways, like the grace for, for some of these things are, is running out from my perspective. And I'm praying. I'm like, Lord is, is it time to make a change or is it time for me to find and share more grace among the team to continue to deal and try to disciple? Um, So you know God's God Jesus they are my co-leaders in the ministry of of doing comedy of doing uh the podcast um and there 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 are a lot of things that I still struggle with and sometimes I feel like I don't hear uh from God the way I'd like to I wish there was I wish there was a way I could just like say hey God have a seat here just just tell me what to do and and because Because I'm an improviser, I'm constantly thinking, I'm constantly creating. There are a lot of times that I have trouble. Is that my voice or is that God's voice? And so, and I said, I'm always striving to get to know God better, get to know Jesus better so that I can pick out which is the voice of the shepherd and which is the voice of Dave who wants to be the shepherd.
0: I feel like you were in my my connect group last night, because this also came up, came up there. We are States away just for anyone listening. We are not close to one of these. I feel like you were in the room last night. We talked about this, that if something is pulling you further from God, then it is not of him. If it doesn't line up with scripture, then it is not of him. And one of the, one of the ways to learn God's voice is to, is to spend, is to spend time with him. It's to literally yeah. sit there and be still. And sometimes, For me, because I'm always on the go and my mind is always going for me, it's just sometimes it's just making that time to just sit there and just be still and just listen or just sit there and just do that devotional. I can't remember if I told this story on this podcast or not now, but God was gave me a specific order. He's like, you need to start getting up at this time and do your devotions in the morning because I'm a night owl. You know, so I think you're one of the few people I've reached out to to do this show who got my emails and phone calls sometime during the day at a reasonable hour. (laughs) Normally, this stuff is flying at midnight, one, two and three o'clock in the morning because one different. That's when I, you know, I feel like my brain is more alive at night. But, yeah, God has been telling me, get up in the morning and do your devotion in the morning along with what you do. At night, you know, it's just it's just more input coming in because the output is also increasing to the point we yeah. were discussing earlier. So um it's just being it's just finding him in that quiet place, finding him in that secret place, just learning his voice and seeing if that stuff I'm hearing is lined up with scripture. I gotta get in my own head sometimes, too.
1: You know, yeah. it's very easy, and it's very easy to convince yourself that it sounds like it could be from God because it lines up, it it, it sounds good. But uh, there is that discerning voice of what's good and what's God.
0: And And, right. Yeah. Right. And if that good thing is, is for me, you know, that, (laughs) right. right. So.
1: So, yes, God, I could use that $2 billion Powerball. I promise I'll tithe the heck out of it for you. And then, you know, buy myself a house, you know, a couple, uh, you know, Tesla's, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I put uh, scripture on the personalized license plate. You know,
0: <laughs> you just publicly confessed why you didn't win the Powerball. Now I know it wasn't you. At least I got one person down. I'm going to see who who actually won that. Um, so how you do a lot, and I'm going to get into something else you do before we before we end the show because I want to make sure we we end with that. I want to make sure we have enough time to talk about that. But how do you avoid just burnout? Like, how do you deal with that with everything that you do?
1: Um when I figure that out I'll tell you. Um, Got it. Okay. <laughs> uh, for me the biggest thing that helps me avoid like true burnout is being able to perform. Mm. When uh I am able to be a part of a team that creates moments of laughter where I know that people have had a great evening and have been able to shed the burdens of life for 90 minutes that high it keeps me going and I have to be very careful not to let that become this idol that I pursue at all costs. So a a check and balance every now and again. And, um, but yeah, just, and I think part of it is also the fact that when we are actually working and and pursuing our calling, there's a natural refreshment that that's built into it because you're doing what God wants you to do. Doesn't mean you don't get tired. Doesn't mean you don't get exhausted. Doesn't mean that you ha- don't need some sort of a Sabbath or a break from it. You know, I I couldn't perform three hundred sixty five days a year as much as I think I would like to. The reality is, I would get burnt out, and suddenly my gift in serving the Lord would become a job and become painful because I'm trying to keep that same level of high, um, but. In general, as long as there's balance, as long as you're truly seeking the Lord for your refreshment outside of it, when you're walking and you're serving in your gift, there's natural refreshment that happens or a natural injection of, of, of fuel for your fire. Because it's like when you're a kid and you're helping your dad by holding the flashlight and you do it well and he compliments you. You know, you get that high, that buzz like, yeah, daddy loves me, That you know, me and daddy had this connection. Uh So, and I think it works as, as humans with our, our heavenly father, when we're doing what God wants us to do and helping him and serving him, then we, we get that natural buzz that encourages us.
0: So I think you touched on some of this, but I ask every guest this question. So what motivates you?
1: What motivates me? Um. In some respects, obviously, uh, as a husband, I, I want to provide a home and, and the many things that my wife wants, and she wants many, many things.
0: <laughs> I'm not touching that. I'm leaving that. I'm not touching that. I'm just gonna let that go.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, she she's a she's here in the living room. So right now, she's rolling her eyes quickly at me, um, and she's on the couch where I'm probably gonna be sleeping now. Tonight. Oh, good, good. good. <laughs> I, if I um, see
0: if I see like a flying pan come flying to the screen, we'll edit that part out. Okay, sure. We'll edit that But out.
1: hey, I told you, I know i know sold a chair shot, so <laughs> she's going to have to hit me hard with the frying pan for anything to happen. Um, but motivating me is I want to see people free of lies, uh, people free of the deceptions and the schemes of the enemy. Uh, and, and that's where comedy comes in, because so many people believe so many things that are just untrue about themselves, about the state of the world. Uh, about who God is. Some people think that God is nothing but a bunch of rules and about thou shalt not and condemnation and sending good people to hell. That's not who God is. He's our father. And I always explain that you, know, what good father doesn't take joy in laughing with his kids. And that's what I think is part of our job is to show that loving, gentle father who who truly genuinely cares about our well-being, our happiness. Um, He doesn't care about our happiness to the point that he sacrifices the relationship or our betterment, but he would like us to be happy and and full of joy in him. So he does care about our happiness and he wants us to be close and in that relationship with him as the loving father, who also has, you know, the right and, and the uh, ability to correct when necessary but it's done out of love and not out of power or control or, you know, trying to th- put his thumb on us. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's what motivates me is to break down lies and strongholds and, and, uh bring people together under the, at the foot of the cross.
0: So I think you touched on this too, but why do you do what you do?
1: Uh, why, as far as the comedy, I do it because, I know from my years of depression and, and all those experiences that when people are laughing, there's hope mm-hmm. and I never could articulate it, but I heard an interview from a comedian named Michael jr. He's a Christian comedian, uh, African-American. And he, um, he tells us, uh, he told this interview um, that laughter is the tangible evidence of hope. And when he said that, when I heard that interview, it was like, yes, that's what I, that's what I knew. I never could articulate, it. but when you laugh, it means that 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 something's breaking, something's coming loose, that the birds of the world haven't defeated you. Mm. And I was explaining, I like to explain that when you laugh, you have a good gut busting laugh. Yeah, you rock forward a little bit, but you also rock back, and your head lifts up. And when your head is lifted up, you're no longer focused on what's in front of you, what's here on earth. Your eyes are now up to where God is up to the throne room. And you realize number one, this world is bigger than what I see bigger than my circle, but also there's something up there that I'm looking to. And when people are able to laugh, they're able to look up and, and even if they don't realize it, something in the back of the mind tells them, Hey, things are going to be okay. There's something bigger than you and that's okay. And, and I just love that about laughter. And, um, yeah, I, w- I wish that I could make my living and provide for my family by helping to provide moments for that laughter.
0: And would you say the answer to those two questions is what kind of played into you starting a podcast also is to tell some of these stories.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Telling the stories of what people are doing uh, just to inspire, to encourage and to remind people that no matter what your gift is, what your talent is, what you're passionate about, if you give it to God, he can use it. I mean, almost everything, whether you're a good accountant, if you're a good cook, if you're great at, at cleaning and being a good host, all of these things God can use as ministry to bring people together, to support them, to encourage them. So there's nothing, like, in general, nothing that God can't use and redeem. Um, so through the stories of Gifts of Glory Ministries and the podcast, I'm hoping that we can tell people, whatever you have, you are the little drummer boy, take it to the king, play your heart out and wait for him to smile at you.
0: So we've had some hilarious moments on here, Um, but you do something that you volunteer for something I really wanted to, to touch on. So, mm-hmm. and so you volunteer to help women who are survived, who survived human sex trafficking. So talk to me about that. How did you get involved with that? Like, just, I'm going to give you the floor just to explain whatever you want to explain there.
1: Sure. Uh, you know, the first thing I felt like I should share is how I got connected. Yeah. Uh, our comedy team was doing a fundraiser for this organization and throughout the evening, it, it was a kind of an arts, you know, fine arts fundraiser. So there was spoken word, there was dance, there's poetry, singing and comedy. And as we were waiting for our turn to go up and perform, I felt the Lord really weighed on my heart. You need to share your testimony. And to your point earlier, our testimony is for somebody. And so in my mind, I thought, okay, well, there's somebody in this room that's probably struggling with depression, possibly even suicidal. I need to share my testimony tonight to hopefully give them a glimmer of hope that they they can continue on. They don't need to take that final step. So that's what my thought was. So I was like, sure, I'm going to share my testimony. It wasn't part of the schedule we were going to do, 20 minutes, get off the stage. But after we finished our final improv game, I took center stage and I just explained you, this isn't part of the show, but I felt like I really wanted to tell you why we do what we do. So I shared my testimony about depression and suicide and how I use comedy as a way to mask it. And now I'm using comedy as a way to, to show people who God is. So it was unscripted. You know, we're improvisers, but it was unscripted, unplanned, and I just shared. And I come off the stage, and uh, the lady who runs the organization is called Salt and Light Coalition in Chicago, uh, Isabel Olson. She comes up and says, hey, I really I really want you to to teach my girls improv. So I thought she was talking about our team. So, like, she saw the team, thought it was funny, and she just won our team. And I said, oh, okay, great. We'll check our schedule. She goes, no, I want you to come in. I said, oh, wow. Okay. Absolutely. And so, uh, that was in 2018 in December of 2018. I I led my first workshop there and it's not uh, about getting them ready to these ladies to get on stage and perform and, you know, waka, waka, waka. No, it's using the skills uh, that I talked about earlier with, um, with improv recognizing, uh, nonverbal communication, recognizing how you are communicating, communicating non-verbally uh, also to help them tap into creativity that may have been squelched because uh, frankly, they were in hell on earth. They had nobody they could trust. They didn't know who their, their handler, their pimp, whatever you want to call them. They didn't know who he knew or who he had on, on their bankroll. So there was nobody that they could go to. And so any creativity, anything that would have brought hope, anything that brought light into their life, they had to, had to hold down just to survive. And so we tap into that creativity. Uh, many of them were sold into trafficking and used at a very young age. So their childhoods ripped away. And we're talking oh. about girls that were sold at 9, 10 years old, maybe younger, to somebody in the neighborhood so mom and dad could get a fix. And so they've been through hell on earth. Some of them as young as 8, 9, 10 years old. And so I go in there as, as a man. To try to rewire in some ways the idea that, you know, men are are people that hurt them, but now I'm I'm able to introduce the idea that some men are actually decent. Some men actually care about humans and care about you. And so we go, I go in and I teach improv games and I just watch from the beginning of the session, the first session to the end, I watch them. Come out of their shell. I watch them uh, laugh like little girls for the first time in a long time, if ever. I watch them learn how to read other people, so that they can not only protect themselves, they can also be prepared to have healthy conversations with somebody. They don't have to mistrust every single person because they might be the next person to hurt them. They can read some of those nonverbals, and if nothing else, uh, they get an hour in a healthy relationship with, with a male and they get to laugh. They get to shed the burdens. Um, there was this uh, one lady uh, when I first started, she came in uh, to one of the sessions and part of the program is you have to participate. You can't just come in and sit across your arms and, and not participate. You have to do it. Otherwise you risk losing your stipend, your bus pass, things like that. So you know, there's an incentive to participate. But she came in with the scowl on her face, the weight of the world on her shoulders. And, and I'm sure you know what I mean when I say she had the look of somebody that, want, that was thinking, I wish somebody would. Mm-hmm. And she wished somebody would say or do the right thing that would allow her to unleash either verbally or physically her frustrations, her pain onto somebody else. But she had to participate. So we do a silly game in a circle called Bippity Bippity Bop and within 3 to 5 minutes of playing that game you literally saw the burdens crack and fall off you saw the shoulders loosen the the eye the forehead got a little bit relaxed the arms came down and she started laughing she started smiling and it 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 was it was it's my testimony because it, it's what god was doing through me and using me to be able to get this person who was on the the verge of fighting whoever would give her a motive, whoever would give her just just that little bit, just so she can overreact. And now she's laughing and carrying on as if nothing was bothering her. Now, her burdens and everything was probably waiting outside for her when she left. But for that hour, she got to see, there's more than what I'm carrying. There's more than the burdens that I'm I'm carrying. And so I'm coming up on my four-year anniversary of, of working with them uh, and it's just, it, it's taught me so much. Um, number one, not to judge. And I'll put this out there um, people who are caught up in human and sex trafficking, many of them are locked away and hidden away in, in, in basements and, and houses and things like that. But a lot of them are out in public. You can see them, but we look over them because they're the least of these. They have the telltale signs of drug abuse. They have. It telltale signs of, of being in domestic violence. So you kind of look past them. Like, I don't, I don't want to get any of that on me. And it, it, it's a shame because so many of these women had so many people just pass them by that could have got them out sooner, but through the grace of God and through uh, great organizations, they've been able to escape and start to rebuild their lives. And it's the, been the biggest honor of my comedy career to be able to pour in and to encourage uh, through improv by just having fun, teaching public speaking courses. And uh, last Monday, when uh, when I got laid off from my job, I was uh, I knew I was getting let go because I saw the emails. It was my day off, but I saw the emails I'm like, oh, okay, tomorrow is the end. So I put that aside. I went to the city. I taught. Uh, city of Chicago. And I taught this uh, speaking course to these ladies that are about to graduate the program. And in their three years with the program, two of these ladies had never shared their story, their testimony. they'd always talked about it, but they never fully like opened up. But in two hours, because I built a rapport with them through improv and laughing, and through different exercises, God broke through and two of the ladies for the first time ever shared their testimonies and shared their story uh, in this public speaking class. And for me, it was a blessing because it's like God saying, I know you're about to lose your job. Things going to be up upended. but I'm going to give you a little something. And just to see that and to see that somebody that almost ended it all on many occasions, here I am now, God's redeeming that time. And to see it make a difference. And again, it, I know that God's doing it through me, but I'm not taking his glory. He did it all because you know, I, I was distracted in that, in that class. I'm thinking like, oh, man, I'm about to lose my car because I had a company car. Lose my job, insurance. I don't know what it looks like. But God helped me put it aside and just be a vessel to break through and break down walls and and do some healing. And it was, it was beautiful. And I am eternally grateful to salt and light for growing and stretching me and, and opening my eyes to things. And also to God to, to be able to see these things happen, like see women just shed the burdens, even if it's just for an hour to, uh, to see women finally tap into some very sensitive places that, that they've hidden and see them bring it out so that God can expose them to light and remove the power that, that these painful memories have over them. Now that it's in the light it no longer has the power. And now they're they're getting closer and closer to their freedom. So, and that's why, you know, that's what I do. I just go in and I'm just a willing vessel uh, trying to, again, just give them opportunity to laugh and a top an opportunity to grow. And if I never do anything else in my comedy career, and that's all I do, that's that's more than enough. Can you say the name of the
0: ministry again for the people listening? Sure.
1: It's a Salt and Light Coalition. It's okay. based in Chicago, and uh, they uh, they re- uh, work with women who have been sold into sex trafficking. They help rehabilitate uh, rehabilitate them, uh, help them uh, find ways to get their kids back because many of them have kids that have been taken away by the courts. Because the courts, they see, oh, prostitution, drug use, you're not a fit mom. And they don't look at the why. And, And it's unfortunate because many times they're forced into this lifestyle and they're controlled by the drug use. They're forced to take drugs or they take it as a coping mechanism to numb what they're going through. And the courts don't have a way or a willingness to really look at that aspect. And it's unfortunate, and it's just another one of those burdens that they have to carry. Is like, I want to be a mom to my kids. I want to have a job, but they have a rap sheet, and both of those become very hard. Finding a place to stay also becomes very hard because they have a rap sheet. They have a history, and people don't understand the why or how it happened. And so, you know, it's really opened my eyes and give me a real soft spot because this is. Modern day slavery. This is slavery. People's bodies are being used for the benefit of others, with no care, concern for their will or their rights. And uh, I'm I'm blessed to be a part of it.
0: I want to. How much time do you have? Because I want to dive into this just a little bit further. Oh, I'm I'm good. Okay. Um, How does this organization find these women, or the or do the women find this organization? Like how? because I probably should have mentioned this to you before we logged on. One of the things that we do is we share the links to all the things that you're doing just so we can make sure we share that like everywhere the podcast is viewed, but I want to make sure we share this organization's link as well, because I think it's something more people need to know about. So, and and hear about, and some people might be hearing the the other side of this for the first time. So if you can dive into how does this organization find these women or how do these women find the organization that would be, that might be helpful for some folks.
1: Uh, this organization, I believe, uh, mostly it's women who've left and they need a place. They need mm. somebody to help them. So they normally it's they reach out. And I think there's also uh, cops who actually pay attention and who care will refer them. And like mm. you know, they'll say, all right, you need to talk talk to Dr. Isabel Olson, and she'll get you set up. So it's a combination. Um, it's not a rescue organization. So there's not people going into and pulling people out. Okay. Um, I, and there are more organizations that are, that are growing, that are doing that. Um, and I, in Chicago, all big cities have this problem and it cops are finally starting to wake up to that and starting to get training. But for the women at salt and light, most of them have this already escaped. Now they need a place to come alongside them, help them rebuild their lives so that they can become positive members of society and shed the, um, the burdens of, of that lifestyle. Um, so uh, they, every year they have a, a really a big gala. That's their primary fundraising. Uh, it's usually the first weekend of October. Uh, so um, if you go to saltandlightcoalition.org or something coalition.com. I'll make sure you have the, the correct link. Uh, just type Salt Light Coalition Chicago and you'll find out more about it. And Dr. Isabel Olson, she's a certified yoga instructor. So they use uh, yoga certification as a way to give them job training and, and a, uh, something that they can do. Say, hey, I'm certified and then go to a studio and get a job uh, on the reference of, of Salt and Light so that they have a chance to start building something. And uh, they do job training, they do health and uh, nutrition, and they help them uh, help find places to stay. Uh, it's, It's a phenomenal organization, and it's literally helping God, not that he needs help, but it's coming alongside and working with God helping redeem people who have been lost and who have been written off and considered the least of these.
0: So, if someone's listening and they want to get more involved with this organization, are they taking volunteers, taking donations? How can people get more involved? Or is this, and I guess I'll ask another question too. So, is this one of those times too? Are they like going to teach, like, okay, if you see this in the street, this is a sign that this is not just someone who is addicted to drugs. There's actually more to this. Do they teach that too?
1: I think they they bring in people to teach the volunteers at Salt and Light. I don't think that they offer classes in general uh, I, or I haven't been aware of them, uh, but, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're a growing organization, so they're always adding different programs and different things. Um, but, yes, volunteers always needed um, uh, women to be mentors to help uh, coach them through. Um, and it would be really cool to see more men who are able to offer job training skills or interview skills who are safe, healthy, uh, married men who can come in and model what a real man is supposed to be. Uh, so if there's a man that has a heart and and I would suggest being married just so that there's confusion. You don't want a single you. male working with these women. I hear you. Uh, not that it, it can't happen. It's just I feel like a married man having that model would be much more beneficial uh, for the women. And um, so finances, time, talent, whatever you can offer. And also there's other organizations around uh, the country that are doing this. So if you have a listener or a viewer that's not in Chicago, uh, I know in Kansas City there is uh, uh, the, um, the Relentless Pursuit. Uh, is the organization where they go out and they're building a a shelter for women. They're building uh, a warming center, a place for women who are in the industry to get cleaned up and to uh, eventually get out of the industry. Um, So if you're in Kansas City area, look for Relentless Pursuit. Uh, Internationally, there's Operation Underground Railroad where they're all over the world freeing sex slaves. Uh, there are plenty of organizations. And if you can't find one, start talking to your your friends who are cops. Start talking to people and figure out a way how you can get involved and create something in your neck of the woods. Because if you're in a city of more than 20,000, 30,000 people, chances are there's there, there's trafficking going on. Especially if you're in a big city like Chicago or or a city that's hosted or could host the Super Bowl. You are in a city that is wrought with sex trafficking. The uh, the Super Bowl is the biggest event for sex trafficking in the world. Wow! Uh, because you have all these wealthy, powerful, connected people. Uh, whether or not they're going to the game, they're coming to the city to be part of the atmosphere and the celebration, and they want to be entertained. And so, the word gets out, and the hotels are getting full of of women looking to entertain these wealthy powerful people who pay really well and also in the mix of four or five million extra people coming into a city for an event there's a lot of dealing that happens because you see a, a group of people walking back and forth you're not going to think of anything so they get lost in this big shuffle as they're being bought and sold so the super bowl is the world's biggest sex trafficking event and if your city is hosted or may host your city needs an operation underground uh, railroad. Your, your city needs a salt light because there are people who need that help. We um,
0: I don't know the exact highway, but when you're in Cleveland going to Toledo, headed up to to Michigan, you know that area is known for this like yeah. I'm forgetting the actual highway but there's like a cross point right there where there's it's it's one of the largest in the in I guess the United States for women who are being abducted for for sex trafficking going on right here so that's kind of why I'm asking yeah some of these questions so I am I really want to do my part to raise the awareness of this while I have you here so
1: yeah absolutely and and again it, it when you look you can't it it, it goes back to great so you can't judge a book by its cover Right. You don't know why somebody's in the situation. Maybe it is just choice. Maybe maybe they are legitimately just somebody that's addicted to drugs, or maybe they're doing it to cope because of the hell that they're stuck in and they don't know who they can trust. Uh, So always remember that no matter who they are, they are crafted in the image of God and they're worthy of love and they're worthy to be seen as as a human being. Um, And and I love, or the way I I like to, to teach it is where Jesus said, you know, what you do to the least of these. I don't think that that's truly God's language. The least of these, he was stooping down to talk down to our level. What we think the least of these, because he also talked about who among you is the least will be greatest. The least and greatest. That's our terminology. That's how we see things. We're all his kids. All we have to do is turn to him and become part of the family. And I truly don't believe, I I don't believe that Jesus literally saw what we see as least of these as the least. He just was talking down to our level so that we in our finite minds would understand it.
0: Man, thank you for, for sharing all of that. And if there is an opportunity to bring some volunteers out to Chicago to help you with this, please let me know. Please let me know. Absolutely. Um, you know, I can give you some, some background. <laughs> I can give you some background on some of the, I see the cat just joined the podcast. Yeah. Um, I can give you some, um some background, just on some of the stuff that maybe myself or some other folks that I'm affiliated with may be able to, to help or help do training in. So, you know, it's just a one day thing or we can come out there for, for a couple of days, please let me know. So yeah, absolutely. Redwood, Redwood would love to get involved with that. So
1: perfect. We'd love to have you.
0: And thank you so much for being on the show today and, and sharing and sharing this information with us, sharing some of your, your life story. I'd love to get you, get you back on here. I may have you, may have to have you teach me how to do a little bit of improv. So um, sure. next time I will do that on the show. We, I didn't want to, um I want to make sure we had time to talk about your, your volunteer working effort. So that brings me to the final segment of this show, which is our let them know segment. This is the part where you just tell the audience anything that you would like to share within biblical reason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use your own language now from earlier in the show, but anything you want to share, promote, let the audience know, Dave, this is your time, sir. Let them know.
1: Sure. First thing I want to encourage everybody, always find how you can have your gifts used for God's glory. That's good. Um, you turn it over to him and he will multiply it and use it in ways you could never imagine. So that's the first thing. Second thing is if there's somebody that's listening, watching, Uh, whether you're listening when it first comes out or in 10 years. um, I want you to have my email address. If you're struggling with suicidal thoughts or depression, and you're feeling like there's nobody that would understand, uh, I want to be available to you to kind of just be a sounding board. I'm not going to copy and paste a bunch of scripture. I'm not going to try to preach at you. I just want to walk through the dark valley with you and share our common experiences and also know that I know your depression Maybe similar, but no two depressions, no two battles are the same, but there's enough similarity that we can share in the experience, and maybe I, I can help you walk through that valley. So if you want to reach out, email me, dave at giftsforglory.com, dave at gifts, the number four glory.com. That's my email. It goes to my phone. Uh, if I'm in a dead sleep, I won't go back to you immediately, but... Uh, if you email me, give me a couple hours, I will get back to you and we'll start this journey together. Because I know for me, it would have been a lot easier just to vent to somebody I didn't know that didn't have, you know, preconceived notions or potential of me upsetting them. It it may be easier just to share with a stranger. So I want to be that if you need that. And uh, for anybody else that wants to connect, if you're thinking that improv uh, workshops would be great for you, uh, for your church, your ministry, or maybe you're a part of of something similar to salt and light, and you think that uh, like maybe you're working with women who are, have been abused or uh, domestic violence victims, uh, I would love to come out and teach improv there and and help break through some of those walls. Uh, you can email me at the same address, Dave at Giftsforglory.com. And if you're ever in the Chicago land area, look us up at well-versed Comedy. Uh, we're on uh, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter at Wellversed CMDY. Uh, and, uh, we'd love to see you at a show.
0: Dave, thank you so much for, for being on here today. And one of the things I've noticed that a lot of people who I know who are struggling or they have, especially using depression, for example, I hear this often that I didn't want to bother you, or I don't want to be a burden, or I don't want to mm-hmm. be, you know, added to your plate. And it's like, no, that's the enemy. That's the lie of the enemy. We need right. to shine light on the situation you're going through and you're not alone. You're not a burden to anyone. We, you know, so I appreciate you putting, putting that message out there. Um, Absolutely. B- before we conclude, I would love to just pray for you and your ministry really quick before we, before we end here today. So if you don't mind, Father God, I just want to, um, I just want to thank you for, for Dave. I thank you for everything that you're doing in him and through him. Father, I thank you for his yes. I thank you for his obedience. I thank you for the fact that you gave him the grace to be obedient to the call that you had in his life. Father. Lord, I just I thank you for the testimony that that he is and that he is going to continue to be. Father, I thank you for just exp- you know, the expansion you're going to bring to his territory. I thank you for the new job that he is going to acquire, Father. You've already you've already ordained that, Father. That, that's already been done in heaven. So we thank you for that now in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray you just continue to guide his mind, his his hands, his steps, as he just continues to just be a blessing to so many around him. And he's he's touching lives. He may never even get a chance to meet, Lord. So I just pray your your blessings, your grace, your favor over his ministry, all of his ministries, his his family, his podcast, um, all the ministry work that he's doing, especially with the um with the human trafficking, Father. So I just thank you for everything now you're doing in him and through him. We speak forth that he's more than a conqueror; that he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. That he who was in David is greater than he who was in the world. So Father God, right now I just thank you, and I just continue just that you just pour your love out on him and just give him wisdom and guidance to continue to do the work of the ministry father i thank you for his yes once again in jesus name we pray amen amen thank you brother no brother thank you i appreciate you um you doing this i know we ran a little bit long today but i really just want to thank you for just being on the show um i look forward to to talking to you and um i will i will be in touch because i want to make sure that um that we get all your information correct and that we get everything um, that you're involved in under the comment section of the podcast. So Dave, thank you for taking time to talk to us today and we're going to be continuing to pray for you and everything you're doing.
1: Thank you, man. It's been a pleasure and I'm coming for that belt. I'm coming for that belt.
0: Dave, 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 when people tell me they're coming for the belt, things change, things change. Okay. Because so I take that very seriously. I have no problem defending either one of these belts. <laughs> I still got the tights and the boots. Um, okay. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go there. What you you know what you do when the podcast ends, that's entirely up to you. And I'm <laughs> oh man. Dave, you got me. First of all, you got me tear out over here, ready to cry for the topic that we were discussing. And now I'm laughing because we're about to have a pro wrestling match. or are talking about this. This is the story of my life. This is the story of my life. So,
1: <laughs> I, I'm here to serve.
0: Amen to that. We're grateful. We're grateful for your guests. You know. So thank you so much for everything that you you did for us today. I'll um, you know what? Hold on one second. I'll just go ahead. So, I guess when I, next time I come to Chicago i have to bring this with me you see look at yeah. how look at how the light just glistens off of that you know that's yeah. pretty good look at how the light just glistens off of that so here i'll just put this i haven't got a chance to do this yet so there we go this This seems appropriate, <laughs> there this you seems appropriate right now this this is how we're going to end the show today with absolute spiritual maturity so dave <laughs> <laughs> thank you again i appreciate you you being here i appreciate your your sense of humor and i look um i look forward to speaking with you in the future thank you so much
1: Absolutely. God bless. God bless.